Welcome to Trained Up, a podcast where we train in the Word so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. My name is Luke. I am a seminary student and aspiring pastor, and uh, as always, I am joined by my mother. Hi, I'm his mom. So in this podcast, we look at different passages of scripture and we try to, to talk them through and to chew on them so that we can gain a better understanding of passages that, that are sometimes uh, misinterpreted, misunderstood, or misused, um, or otherwise just questionable. We, we like to look at passages that, that are, are more difficult to understand. But today... We're doing something a little different. We're going to mix it up. We're going to mix it up. We're going to mix it up for everyone. Yeah. Because it's Christmas, we're going to focus on the st- the birth narratives of Christ. And so we're not picking one, right? We have Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 are the two places where we see the birth narratives. And we're going over just, we're going to go over several misconceptions that we think people have about what went down during the birth of Christ. That's right. What went down in Bethlehem? What went down? Merry Christmas, everyone. This is our Christmas edition. It's our Christmas episode. Isn't it exciting? You can't see us right now, but we're even matchy-matchy with the red. We are both wearing red. (laughs) Because it's Christmas. Okay. So, (laughs) in the spirit of Christmas and our matchy-matchy sweaters, I would like to... (laughs) Okay, it's not a sweater. But I would like to say... That we're dealing with this because it's just interesting, right? It's just interesting how we all grew up learning, you know, the nativity, the basic, you know, thing that we have on our mantles. Someone, you know, if you have it in your house, this little nativity scene. And some of it, which I didn't even really know until I was an adult, just didn't happen. You know, just wasn't real. Right. um, Biblically. So this will be interesting. Yeah, I, I, well, I think, so this is kind of like the game of telephone, right? It's, this story has been around for all of, you know, 2,023 years, right? And so as the church kind of adapts and passes this story down, and as cultures become more or less involved in that story, the, the story kind of simplifies itself down in ways that sometimes is inaccurate takes things out because i had now i've simplified it down to this nativity scene right that that Mm -hmm. we have yeah which maybe doesn't actually reflect what happens true yeah and i think that that's it's important to break it down because although it looks nice on the mantle you know it's good to know um as we celebrate the real reason for the season what what actually happened right yeah and it's this is why so the the one of the purposes of the podcast right is we want uh, at least i think one of one of my purposes for wanting to do it is i would like to give people the anyone who listens to this podcast i would like to help them work those work the textual criticism muscles that we all have, but sometimes are not exercised very much. And so, why is this a problem? Why do we think these things are a problem? Because we probably didn't read it. 
because we haven't read it. We've just heard the story. We've, you know, we've talked about the story, but we maybe haven't, we're not very familiar with the actual text. And so these things get simplified down like this. And I like, we are going to work those textual critical muscles in these narratives that aren't that difficult to understand, that are pretty straightforward if we, if we read them. But our narratives that this time of year, we all know and we all like reiterate and we talk about, but we don't always read it. We don't always get into the text that this is from. And so we miss stuff. And we're going to go over some of the stuff that, that we miss. Yeah, I would argue, though, that this is probably one of the most read passages of scripture because typically um, even if you don't go to church on a regular basis you might go on Christmas Eve and you may have a reading of the account on your Christmas Eve sir it's your Christmas oh, Eve sure. service um, a lot of people like to watch Charlie Brown Christmas so you know Linus he starts into okay, that yeah. <laughs> you know but people like to post Linus this is exactly my problem is <laughs> If Linus is how you are encountering this story, it doesn't seem like we've gotten the whole story. <laughs> right. I agree with you yeah. that Linus does say it. I it agree does. with you that like, love probably that. something like 80% of churches are going to preach out of one of these two texts right. this coming Sunday, right? Absolutely. So I think that, that there's more exposure sure. is my point. Oh, sure. Did they sit down and read it? You know, maybe I don't know, and a lot of families do read the the account like Christmas Eve or something. They read it together, so I think there's more exposure. Sure, but do they think about it when they're reading? Probably this? not. Do we they just... read it and close the book and put it yeah. up on the shelf, right. or do they think about it? Right, because to to be to be text critical, to to think about things and chew on things from the text, you have to read it and then ask the questions that come. They come up to you. Yeah, yeah. I think it just stops with the reading. Yeah, and so then we're not doing the we're not doing the work, so we're gonna miss stuff. Right, that's, right. That's just how it goes. Yeah, and you know we were guilty of that too when you were kids. Sure. Like I, we would read the text Christmas Eve, I think, and uh, and I, but we wouldn't say, "You, do you have any questions?" You know, let's sure. think through this a little bit. We just read the scripture, prayed. I believe we sang away in a manger. And then we had the parts Christmas Eve. Okay, yeah. Well, and then there's this is the other thing is as a kid, I am not thinking at all about that. I'm I'm more I'm more on the next step, right? When we're reading that, and I think that's going to happen no matter what. As a kid, I think there there might be ways to to mitigate that, but I think it's going to be pretty hard for any kid to focus up mm -hmm. right before. So you say. Even if you said, do you have any questions? I'd be like, no. And then I'd look over at Kate and be like, you better keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Threatening your sister. Actually, that's probably not even how it would probably go the other way. But Yeah, I think it was I probably was like, the other way. Probably go the other way, knowing us. But um, you better keep your mouth shut, Luke, yeah. because I want to get to the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So... That's that's our plan. That's what we're gonna do today. So we're just it's gonna be more free form, more kind of like just uh, a conversation about these things and where the origins of them are and stuff like that. So I will throw it over to you. Do you have a topic concerning yeah. Christmas that you would like to discuss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with with just an easy one, okay? okay? And right. the presence of the three kings 
at the manger. Okay, we're the going three to the wise world, men, three kings, however you've heard it. Let's talk about them. Were they actually in the nativity scene? Were they at the manger birth of Christ mm -hmm. that night? Let's talk about that one. That's an easy one. You hear that a lot, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah. answer is no. Yeah, they weren't there. They weren't there. Yeah, they weren't so there. we put them in the nativity scene because they look nice. These three kings, mm -hmm. which were actually wise men, by the way. Sure. Yeah, they're not. There's a whole song about it. We yeah, three kings. We three kings of Orianor. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, first of all, it. they're wise men. Sure. Not kings. And so, importantly, that word is different. Uh, is it possible that these three are king? Is it possible that they're, that they're kings? Maybe. It's possible. But it's actually pretty unlikely. Because what we know about them, when they say wise men, we would actually, we would call that astrologers right. or closer to astronomers. Like we have astro, we don't have astrologers anymore. Well, okay. I take it back. We do, but they usually also believe in crystals radiating energy. So we, astrology was a different thing than it was still looking at the stars and trying to determine... It was determining the future based on what we saw in the stars. Right. That's that's kind of the, the, the gist of this. And it was a huge, huge trade, especially in royal courts of kingdoms all over that area. Right. And really all over the world for a long time. Um, Galileo, even up all the way into Galileo's time, this is still a thing that is being kicked around that the stars somehow have like a say over how events play out. Um, and still, we kick that around. Some people yeah, kick that around. Yeah, we still kicked around today. Um, Venus is in retrograde or whatever. And that's why you're having a bad day. But oh. like, so we kick that around. But that's what these three are. And how, so we know that because of, because the word that describes them. But on top of that, what we translate to wise men, but on top of that, how do they find, how do they come here? Well, because there's this really bright star up in the sky all of a sudden, and they followed it. Right. So. That's what we hear, and that there were three. Yeah. And that they came, and they followed the star. Uh, I think I've even seen movies depicting this. They came, and they followed Probably. the star, and they arrived at the birth of Christ to give him the presence. Yeah. And this is where our second problem with our wise men come in. There's is so many problems with these wise men. It never says there are three of them. Exactly. Do you know why people say there are three of them? Well, sure. Because there's three gifts. And so that the, people have assumed three gifts yeah. equals three wise men. Yeah. But it doesn't say that. There are more than one. Yes. And that's the only thing we know about how many wise men there right, are. Right, because... Is it, it likely there are 10,000? No. But yeah. there's more than one, but we don't know how many. Right. It's it, All it says is that the Magi were brought near. These, these majestic people bowing down to Jesus and, and presenting him with these, these really pricey gifts would def, definitely serves as an example of what all kings, all people of power ought to do in the face of Christ. We would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got a problem that, in that there are three. 
Yeah. Or there's. There well, could th- be there's more, more than, than three. three. But there could be say less than three. three. There could be two. There could be more than three. But we don't. We don't know. But we know that there's three gifts. Yes. We know the wise men. There, they could be more than three. Mm-hmm. And they weren't there when Jesus was born. They weren't there yeah. that night. Why do we know that? Because the text says it. The text does not say they were there that night. Right. It actually speaks of him being older, right? Jesus being older. When they arrived, he could have been all the way up to three years old. No. It wasn't that night is the important no. thing. Yeah. But also, it he was, was older when they traveled... By star, which is different than traveling by map, mind you. Yeah. But traveling by star to where Jesus was located, he would have been older. Uh-huh. Probably not years. Why do you say probably not years? Because Herod killed all the baby boys two and under. Okay. And so... If, so if he, he ki- was in the process of that when no, he Herod had... was in the process of that when the Magi went before Herod. No. He only does it because they went before him. Because they came to him and said, That's true. Hey, there's this king. Who's the king of the Jews? And he's like, why don't you go and check that out for me? So why would he have said two and under? Because it could have been up to two years then. Sure. Yeah, because he because he is saying... Because he is ascertain, he's being safe. He's saying, "I'm going to put a buffer here, just right. in case I'm missing it." And so I would even be willing to say he could be two. Here's my other problem with that: Joseph and Mary don't live in Bethlehem. Why are they still there? They would have returned back home to Nazareth if it had been years. If it had, they been- weren't. Were they still in Bethlehem when the? Yeah. Okay. If it had been months. I'm with you. I, I think I think most likely it has been several months since Jesus has been born, and they have they have stayed in Bethlehem as probably Mary is recovering, as Jesus is being you know is being weaned. They they've decided to stay in Bethlehem for a little while, and then the the Magi finally make their way to to Judea, which would take a while. Right. It depends on exactly where they're from, which we don't exactly know. We know they're from the east somewhere. Right. Um. So, when they get here, it's 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 been a while, but it probably hasn't been years. And and again, they are the ones that tip Herod off that that there's something happening because Herod doesn't know otherwise. And then Herod kills all the boys after Joseph gets a dream for them to flee. So it does say in Matthew 2 that the star that they had seen, it went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Mm -hmm. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him and then offered their gifts. Yeah. So they were in a house. It doesn't say that they left uh, for Egypt until after that. So the next right. section, starting in verse 13, yeah, is when they had they their were... flight to Egypt. Yeah. 
So you're right. They would have still been in Bethlehem. But yeah. we don't know how long they stayed in Bethlehem. No. So we don't know. We don't know the exact timeline. All that we know is that the wise men were not there. They were not there that when night he was born. of yeah. the birth. Right. So we've kind of messed that up. And I guess because they fit nicely into the whole nativity picture. Sure. Well, if you get the three wise men on the one side and you have the three shepherds on the other side, it makes a nice Why thing. Why three shepherds, though? We'll get to well, that. Well, it's like... So, because it's even, it makes it nice. Yeah. It's hard to have a whole... Because there's definitely three gaggle wise of men. shepherds in your nativity. You never want a gaggle of shepherds anywhere. <laughs> they smell... They it's always everywhere. only one sheep, too. It's, it's Why mess. is there only just one sheep? We're talking yeah. shepherds. They have flocks of sheep. Well, you thought they... <laughs> We're not on the shepherds yet. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so yeah, back to the wise men. So mm -hmm. it fits nice into our nativity scene, and so that's why we've put them there. But biblically, right. we can say a couple things for sure. There probably weren't just three. There's more than one. We don't know how many. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they weren't there the night Jesus was born. Yeah. Yeah. You want some fun? Uh, Take them out. Some fun Bible. Bible knowledge. Sure, on, I'm always the, I've always loved fun Bible knowledge. Um so <laughs> a couple of things. One, what they're only mentioned in one of the two accounts. Right. Which account? Uh Matthew. Right. Do you know why that why do you can you think of why Matthew specifically would want to mention them? No. Because, this seems like a trick question. Because the shepherds are mentioned in Luke, but they're not mentioned in Matthew. Right. So why does Matthew think it's important to mention the wise men and not the shepherds? I don't know. Because Matthew is the gospel to the Jews. And what is oh. Jesus? He is the king of the Jews. Right. And the king of kings. So Matthew wants to say, these great men came from far away. Right. And they bowed down and worshipped our king. Right. The Messiah who we knew was coming. Right. And so that's what's important for him to illustrate in his gospel. So that's why he includes them here. And then. Well, uh, that's quite interesting, Luke. Well, thanks. <laughs> it um, is interesting. Like why that. I always wondered that. Why was that included in Matthew and not Luke? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's because that's that's the point that he's trying to make with with his gospel. And then. Also, I think I really think it's interesting how so we see a couple of glimpses throughout the Bible, and we don't see a lot. We see a couple times where God seems to interact with people that aren't Israelites, that aren't His people, in a very unique way. And these wise men are 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 an example of that. They come they they doing their astrology thing come which. Also, I'm to believe in this time period is not specifically sinful. Um, and I say that because, and I could be wrong about that, because there's a lot of time between now when Christ is born and uh, the exile to Babylon. But there's a lot of time between when Christ is born and the exile to Babylon. But Daniel, Daniel was trained as an astrologer. Right. Right. And I have to assume, okay, if there was something uh, fortune telly about this, something that, that might have, have gone the wrong way, Daniel would have objected to it, and he didn't. So 
it's not that they are in outright sin, which is the first thing that we got to deal with when we're talking about astrology and, and people um, and the, these wise men. But they also get this like communication, which is really interesting. When they go to leave, an angel visits them in a dream and tells them to go a different way to avoid Herod. Right? right, because Herod kind of fools them at first. They're like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll come back and tell you where we found him, and when we get there, like Herod Herod's able to to fool them, but God direct moves them out of the way." I just think it's interesting when people, when God interacts with people, yeah, when God involves these people, chooses to include these people in the narrative of Scripture that don't seem to have a vested interest in Him. So much as they're like, this king is born. Right. And we're going to go see him. I think it was a representation of how Christ is the king of kings, though. Yeah. You know, how he has right. more worth and more supremacy and that God is going to place him in that position, has placed him in that position yeah. of being the king of kings. And, and that's why that's important for those for these wise men to come and to honor him in that way. Right. So you have, you know, with, with your narrative, you have uh, the lowest of society, which was, con you know, the shepherds were considered the lowest of society. And then you have this height of society at the time, which would be these wise men and all coming together to honor this king of kings. I mean, not at the same time coming together, mind you. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of sets up his supremacy, his lordship, his kingship overall. So I think that's why that was important. Right, right. And this is the point that Matthew wants to hammer home. Why it's it's important for him to include that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so wise men. We dealt with those wise men. So let's, then I'm going to say, let's just go over to the other side of the nativity scene and we'll talk about the shepherds then. Okay. Because we've already, we've just talked about the wise men. Let's let's go over to the shepherds. shepherds. So what are our problems with the shepherds? Do we have any problems with the shepherds? Um, well. How they're typically thought of. Just, you know, just in your nativity scene, you're seeing three shepherds, three wise men. There were shepherds in the field. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't tell us how many again. Um. Yeah. Which isn't really that big of a deal. We don't have songs about three shepherds in the field at night like we have three kings of Orion yeah. R. But I I do think there were more than three. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I and maybe not. Maybe there was two shepherds, plural, two. Okay, so they were in uh -huh. the field yeah. and the angels appeared to them. Now, in every, I I would say, video or anything I've seen or heard regarding this moment mm -hmm. where the angels have are appearing. Yeah. They sing the message. <laughs> yeah. Right. I thought you were going to bring They sing it. Yeah. But nowhere does it say oh, they're yeah. singing. Yeah. They're glorifying God. So I guess maybe somewhere in our brains, we connect glorifying God with our version of worshiping God, which is, usually sure. done in through song with yeah. us so maybe that's why we make them sing and their message the glory to god in the highest right that that is in prose so it's in a poetic form there's a lot of prose though in the bible that is not singing that is right. just just reciting in fact almost every uh prophecy book 
is in prose, and they're not singing it. It's not a musical. It's not a musical. Although I, I love musicals. It doesn't have... Like, this isn't to say it, it can't be... Right, it could have been. ...that they're singing. It's just... It is always depicted that they're singing. Always. A lot, a lot of music, a lot of song, a lot of... Yeah. I don't know, just a ha going on. Yeah. But it doesn't say that. Right. <laughs> the Bible does not say they no. sang that message. No. Right? Yeah, so they didn't say it. I'm interested. So I, I think that actually three could be a relatively accurate number. My reasoning okay. is, so one guy takes care of a lot of sheep. That's true. One guy can do a lot of sheep. And so my my question is like, but it was shepherds, plural, so it's got to be at least There's two There's at least shepherds. two of them. That, but this is why I'm saying three might actually be an okay number. So if you have a super large we herd. We just don't know. Maybe you have three guys, maybe you have four guys, five. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying it's probably not like 20. Like it's probably not 20 yeah, guys. I mean, I don't know. But I bet you there were at least 20 sheep there. Uh, yeah. This is this is what, what I wanted to get to get into. <laughs> You seem to think they brought their sheep with them. Well, you would, as a shepherd, would you just leave your sheep in the field? Does it say they left their sheep in the field? You know what? Let's look it up. Because I, here's, so I'm, I'm Would thinking, you just leave your sheep in the field where you'd be like, I'm going to bring my favorite three sheep with me and only yeah, my maybe. favorite two sheep? You got to pick. <laughs> you'd be like, all right, You're going to have to pick. Which sheep's coming? Because I am bringing It's always you. the bad sheep. You got to keep your eye on him. Well, no, so the bad the sheep bad got sheep to go, go see Jesus. Uh, it doesn't say. It just says they left with haste. Here's here's the thing. Can though. you leave, can you leave with haste? No, with, I don't think you can leave a lot of sheep. Nope, I don't think you can leave. Either. I don't know. Like haste? How? Like I left with haste. If I've got a two year old like you have, leaving with haste, my haste is not going to be. Or your haste is not going to be my haste. You've well, got a two-year-old. you got to get his shoes on. you got to get him out the door. No, but if I left Still with haste, I'd just haste. pick him up and run. I'd be out. I'm not waiting for his shoes to be on. I'm leaving with haste. So you say also, they left their also, sheep in the field. That's not crazy, by the way. That's no? Sheep, in this time especially, there's no fences. There's no right. pastures specifically. Right. These sheep are just being sheep out there. And the shepherd is just standing there to smack a sheep. If he has to. <laughs> Fight off predators. Fight off a uh, wolf or coyote if he has to. But sheep are just sheeping in the field. Sheep are just sheeping. That's all they're doing. <laughs> they're out there being sheep. And so if you actually just were to leave. Yeah. Most likely your sheep would just stay there. They would just keep sheeping. They would just keep sheeping. They have not, they've got nothing else they got to nothing do. They've got nothing else to do. All they do is sheep. And so okay. they're going to. Sheep are going to sheep. And so they're going to. Maybe keep, they were sleeping. Maybe it was night, I guess. So, <laughs> or sheep aren't nocturnal. Maybe they were sheep sleeping. And if they're sleeping, then it's even better. I'm saying that like <laughs> 400 sheep didn't walk into the town of Bethlehem because like no one in the town would be able to handle that. Yeah, you know what? But why? Okay, but there's sheep in my nativity scene, and so they either came with oh, those that's shepherds. A different, that's a different problem. Or We're not on that problem. we'll get on that next. We're not on that problem. Why were there animals there? Are, there? there are sheep in your nativity scenes, but but that's so a you're saying problem. they were already there. I got a I got a guy in my the... nativity scene that's holding a sheep, a baby sheep. Okay, well then maybe he brought that sheep. You don't <laughs> we want, don't know. You know what that sheep? <laughs> this is, we don't know. Baby I mean, sheep's can't sheep on their own. They, well, I mean, 
they have a harder time sheeping <laughs> by themselves. And if and if I'm hungry, if I'm a hungry animal, hungry and sheep. I'm seeing lots of sheep, and then just a little little baby sheep, I'm like, that's that the sheep, one. That sheep ain't gonna put up that's a fight. History. That I'm gonna kill not that gonna sheep. Have a sheep in life. That's sh- all right. So, so you're right. So basically, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of sheep in life is this? Sheep homicide's not funny. It's a real problem. <laughs> it's a real thing, people. These so are their stories. Dun dun. <laughs> so anyway, Law and sheep. This we don't know. We don't know. Did they bring their sheep? Did they leave their sheep sheeping in the field? Yeah. We don't know, but we do know no, that those know. angels probably didn't sing that message. Maybe they did, but probably know. didn't, considering it doesn't. They don't how have much to, prose yeah. is in the Bible, and yeah, there's no reason that they have to. No, there's no reason you have to, right? And so, the angels. How many angels were there? Do you know? You're looking at me like you you have a an idea. I don't. Oh, okay, well then, why are you looking at me like that? I. It says a host of angels, doesn't it? Okay. Let's read it. Shall we? Yeah. Yeah, a host of An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Sure. And And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... See, this is always depicted as... A host of angels singing this. Yeah. Also, who's that angel? Who's the angel that always, in every story you've ever heard, does that angel that is not named in scripture have a name? Well, we give him a name. Why do we give him a name? Well, because there are named angels. And the name that we typically give him, give to this angel, is one of the named angels. It's it's usually Gabriel. Right, but that's not here. No, that's what I'm saying. And we, then... Like, we transpose that onto the text. We say, like, there's, like, one angel that shows up and says this thing, so we're that's just like... has got to be Gabriel. Gabriel. Why do we do that? I don't know, because Michael's the fighting one and Gabriel's the other one. I don't know. Okay. But then suddenly, with this one angel who spoke the message to the shepherds, there was an... A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, saying, not singing, glory to God in the highest. Yeah. So and that there be, was with the, the angel a multitude of heavenly host. Does that does that mean other angels? Yeah. Heavenly host? What else is up there? I don't know. I mean I guess if there's other things up there we don't know about, then maybe, but that's all. Why doesn't it say other angels? Because that's how it. That's that's how you would say other angels. Okay. It, the, there's no like, heavenly host always means divine beings. So is it possible that there's like a you know it's like a heavenly octopus? Maybe I just. I don't think octopus. I don't either. Octopi it are not attractive. Like, <laughs> it seems. It's kind of rude, to octopi, <laughs> but. It seems 
It's 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 definitely talking about an angelic being. Okay, we'll go with that. And so, do they all look identically? Are they all wearing? Are they all humans with with big wings and wearing white gowns while they're singing? Almost certainly not. That's never how angels are depicted yeah, in the Bible. Yeah, because if you saw that, if you saw that, why would you be afraid? You wouldn't. Why I mean, are they afraid? Be. They're they afraid. They're so bright and like that. So their pre their mere presence exerts such a power on you that you'd be afraid. But that's not how angels are usually depicted in the Bible. In fact, usually angels are depicted in the Bible in ways that I would never sleep again. Right. If I saw them. That's not the way we see it when we watch the the shows no. on the, no. on this narrative. They're all super white, super blonde, super attractive in white gowns. Got some wings. Yeah. Right? In white like nightgowns. I don't understand. And they sing. They have beautiful voices. Yeah. And like I if they were to sing, I I would imagine they have beautiful voices, but that's not what it says. No, it does not say that. So that's... So the shepherds could be many. We just know that they're more than one. Mm -hmm. um, the angels didn't sing. And Gabriel is not named here. Right, but we make it Gabriel. And sheep be sheepin'. And sheep are sheepin'. We're not sure if they were sheepin' in the fields yeah. or if they followed the shepherds to the, the manger... But we know they were sheeping. We know they were sheeping. We so that's that what we know sure. about the shepherds, right? So yeah. that's that's our next thing. Yeah. All right. So anything else on them shepherds? I don't have anything else on them shepherds. All right. So then where are we going? Well, I want to talk about where this took place, where the birth of Christ took place. Because we like to think earth. of thanks. We know it was earth. But we like to think that the baby was born in a barn or mm. a cave. So what some do you people get in the cave. Well, some people have said I've heard people say okay. um, that animals were kept more in like a cave-like structure in that day and time, and so this had to be in a cave, like a cave-like structure. Okay, it definitely. It's a weird call. Yeah, you haven't heard that? Nope. You've not heard that? I mean, sure, and I'm sure animals were kept in caves at times. Yeah. It would be a convenient structure to keep them out of the rain. But my my big problem would be how many caves are in a city? I don't really know how many caves are in a city. Almost That zero. seems <laughs> like Almost let me help you. Yeah. Almost no caves. Well, you weren't in Bethlehem. How do you know if there were caves in Bethlehem? Because it was a city. <laughs> okay. Because they, they built on it. Right. And was there a barn in a city? No. I have other problems, but right. go on with So this thing. is, okay, so this is what people, um, in your mind, yeah. have you seen a nativity seen barns. set? Barns are almost always right. what the nativity set is. With the hay yeah. and the barn yep. and some sort of barn-like structure. Right, right, right. Right? Um, I have not seen a cave, but I've heard people say, oh, it had to be a cave. Oh. And it was outside. Okay. I, of, I've just not heard. Like, outside of the town. Oh, because it couldn't have been in the well, city. Okay, well then I rescind my cave comments if what you're saying is it could have been outside of the town. But but also kind of like 
Because it could you be, have a Pittsburgh probably... address, but you don't actually live in the city of Pittsburgh, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? But I have Pittsburgh, PA, as my address, even though it's Ross Township. You know what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> Westview, Pittsburgh, PA, yeah. not in the city limits. Yeah. Kind of like that. Okay. Not how ancient cities worked, but that's okay. I'm fully willing to shelf this. <laughs> yeah. The theory is cave outside of the city. I'm good. Or barn. Or barn in the city. Right. Or outside, or outside the, city. the city. I'm good. Also. I'm good then. Okay. Why do we think that? Why do because we think it had to be a cave or a barn? Oh, it's because he was born in a manger. Right. Which is? A stall, a trough. For animals. For, yeah. To drink out of. Right. Or and eat so, out of. Right. And so, yeah, so then, like, naturally, right, this is one of those things I'm talking about that seems like the simplification over time has made us think barn. Right. Has, um, because he's put in a trough, we're like, okay, where are troughs? Uh, barns is where they are. Yes. And so, so we kind of supplement that in our head. Right. Regarding- and it also because the scripture says... There was no room for them at the inn. Mm, doesn't say that. Let's look it up. This is what I've heard, right? So no, when I have people a or when you when you watch anything or hear anything of this account, there was no room for them at the inn. Yeah. Is what you hear, correct? That's that is what you hear, yes. Okay. So what does it say? That is what the ESV says. Can you read it? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Okay, but when you think of this, don't you view, because we've been told, they get to Bethlehem. They're like, she's going to give birth. We've got to find a spot, right? And they go up to the inn. This is the first thing that happens. They go up to the inn. Mm-hmm. They yeah. knock on the door. And the I've innkeeper. Seen this in a movie somewhere. It's in all these movies. Yeah. The innkeeper comes and says, I'm sorry, we've got no room for you, yeah. but I got a barn out back. Right. Isn't that what happens? That's what, that's what I have been led to believe. Yeah. Right. Because this is what happens in everything you see, right? Yeah. But it doesn't actually say that. No. No. It just says. He was born, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. Yeah. Now let's talk about if there was no room at the inn, where they might have gone. Okay, so first of all, I do not like that the... I am 100%... I Well, I'm not 100%. I am super with the ESV on a lot of things they do. I don't like that they translated that word in, because... It's not what it was. Okay, so let's talk about what that was at the time. What is an inn in that historical moment of time? Not a thing they'd be at. Um, so here's how these censuses worked, right? Because there was lots of census. These things happened, and you had to go back to your hometown every once in a while. They didn't happen super frequently, but frequently enough that, like, you would go back to your hometown. And in this era, you probably didn't stray too far from whatever place you were born and raised in. But it's possible that you could have, and Joseph is an example. Um, 
maybe he wasn't born in Bethlehem himself, but his family originated from there, and somehow they worked their way up to Nazareth. Still in Judah, you know, still in Israel, but they worked up to the top versus the bottom of the of the landmass, right? And so Joseph has family back here, like distant relatives that, that are still back here. In this time, when you go, when you traveled somewhere, you would go to, you would go to that place, especially if like this, it's to your home, to, to your like ancestral home, you would go and the inn is the house of your family. It's not a random guy. We're not like, it's not the Motel 6. Right. It's like you walked in and these are your distant relatives and you'd look for what distant relative has some room for me, has like an extra spot for me to sleep. Right. And so you look around for, for the relatives. That's why I don't love the word in because it gives us a, the wrong impression. Is it a place that isn't theirs that they are staying in temporarily? Yeah. So I get why we, why it's that word, but, but this is, they would know these people. Um, and so then when it says there's not enough room, it could mean a couple things. It could one, mean there's literally uh, we have too many of our relatives here there is not a place for you to stand two it could mean there is not a place for her to give birth right which i think is more likely it's could be either but i think it's likely that 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 that's the case and so she lays him in a manger why is the manger on hand this is where we talk about architecture of first century Jewish people. So when you build a house, right, if you had animals, which you probably did, because if you have a car now, you would have had a donkey back then. It's the same kind of thing. So you would build your house and it would be kind of like a two-story thing, not quite as high as our two stories. And the second story is where you lived. It's where you slept. It's where you cooked. It's where you did did most Life. of your living mm-hmm. is, on, is on the top. On the bottom is your what we would call a garage. It's where you parked your donkey or whatever other animals that you might have had in your possession. And so you put them under there. And so there's a trough down there because you got to feed the donkey. Um, and so they go, they get to, they get to Bethlehem finally. She's about to pop. Joseph is like, hi, we're here. And they're like, she can't do that here. Um, and so down they go to the bottom part of the house, and then they lay him in the manger that's right there. Yes, this is what most scholars believe yeah. at this point is that right. This no room at the inn meant they had to go down where you kept where they kept their animals in whatever this right. family dwelling was. Yeah, not yeah. some random innkeeper yeah it's like I answering this, the door i got no room here i got a shack coffee. out there you want to give birth back there yeah i got a shack and no, you can this is their family yeah. yeah so this is this is definitely not what is depicted what we know no. as the christmas story you see you know even christmas plays you've got the the whole barn thing yeah. and yeah i don't think that's most scholars do not believe no. That Jesus was, he was most likely born in the lower portion of a common home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and so that is more consistent with what, so here's the thing. So here's what we don't want to take away 
what we, what we don't want to take out of this situation is what Luke is trying to accomplish. And I meant to say this during the shepherds thing. Like, why does he include the shepherds and not the wise men, right? Because we talked about why Matthew. Luke's mission, Luke is the, the gospel to the Gentiles. Luke's mission is to show the commonness that was associated with Jesus, that he was one of us, like he was like us. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to talk about the shepherds because shepherds are low on the totem pole of social hierarchy. Right. And he's going to say he cared about these shepherds because he, he wants to impress upon you that, that Christ cares about you. And so Luke, in telling this narrative, he wants, that's, that's part of his goal, is that this is a, lowly, is a very lowly way for the king of the universe to come into the world. And so I think that if we talk about, okay, it's the bottom part of a house, we're like lessening the, the lowliness of that. But, but not necessarily. I don't think that that's to be taken away. I yeah. This is not a thing. It's not like people did this. Right. It's not like they gave birth in the bottom part of the house. This isn't a it thing. It would be like you giving birth. No, not you. But it would be like your wife giving birth yeah. in your garage. Right. Yeah. It would be like we got to family and they were like, we don't have anywhere for you to sleep, but you can like go out in the garage. And you can have your baby out right. there. And I laid him in the toolbox. Like, I... like. It's, so it's not, it's not, because I, I think people kind of, I've, I've seen people chafe against this, like, bottom part of the house thing because it seems to, like, it's, like, gives, like, puts more, like, dignity or status. And, like, it wasn't like they were totally alone, like, they were totally by themselves, you know. Um, but, I, but it doesn't do that. This, the same message is there. That, that he's born in adverse circumstances for sure. Mm -hmm. um, in, laid in a manger still. Right. Still you know? laid in a manger. Still the, this picture of the king of the universe is in a, what has to be filthy thing that animals eat and drink out of. Right. So. Yeah. It's still. That's still part A of very it. humble birth. It's still. Yeah. You know. I don't think it takes that away at all. Yeah. I don't, but I don't think it happened in a barn or a cave. No, it almost certainly didn't. Yeah. yeah. So, so location. Location, location, location. Exactly. So what else do you have? So I actually don't, I don't have too many other things, but I do want to talk about one thing that I think is confusing people is, uh, or can be confusing, is when he was born. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, before we get to that, okay, we can we just else? briefly touch on, there's no mention of a donkey carrying Mary to oh, yeah. Bethlehem. Yeah, we can talk about the donkey. Yeah, there's it's always a donkey mm. when we talk about this. Mary gets on the donkey and they go to and Bethlehem. Yeah. And they would not... Maybe. I, and it's always just them, right? It's just Mary and Joseph. Like, just them. Trekking through the... Absolutely, it wasn't just them. I Her on a donkey. 100%. She might have been on a donkey. It doesn't say that. But it wasn't just them. They were in a caravan of probably some of their other relatives that are Also there. had to travel there. Yeah, that also had to travel there. Because you travel alone in the ancient world nowhere unless you want to die. Because as soon as robbers, uh, people who just like killing people, want to... See you alone, traveling in the middle of the wilderness. You're toast. They're right. going to get so you. So they were most likely with 
a group of right. other family. Right. And so, but if, yeah, if you all travel as a group, that's not going to happen because a, a small group of robbers is going to say, well, there's like 35 of them. I mean, I could take out two or three, but they're going to get me. Right. Like, so it's much safer to travel that way. Yeah. And certainly when everyone in the country is traveling back to wherever their ancestral home is for the census, there's going to be a lot of groups. Mm-hmm. You know, some yeah. we're dropping some people off at the city on the way, and then we're right. keep, there's going to be a lot of these. So, so probably not alone. Yeah, maybe a donkey, maybe not a donkey. Who knows? Right. I think this comes from like the what could Mary and Joseph have like afforded to own, and I, that makes sense that they could have afforded that to own that. But if you're traveling in a group, is it likely that she could have been riding in a wagon? Is she like because she's quite pregnant at this right. point it's i think it's likely that in the caravan somebody put her in a wagon maybe yeah we don't know yeah but we, we always we put her on a donkey always, she's always on that and donkey. her and joseph are just making this trek by themselves yeah. on a donkey through sand dunes sometimes a too. lot of sand dunes not a thing that exists <laughs> a lot of, of the sand world. dunes now, when they go to Egypt, we're getting somewhere. We got some more sand but dunes, not but not in Judah. Yeah, sand. It's always in sand dunes. Yeah. I, you're right about that. Maybe that's just depicting like kind of the, you know, roughness of the terrain. I don't know. But anyways. All right. So let's get to your time of year. Why okay, do yeah. we celebrate the birth of Christ So, in the winter? So Christ is born. We don't know. But... Probably between March and May. Probably in that Why do you time say that? is when he's born. I don't know. That's what scholars say. Why do they say that? One of the reasons I read is because um, typically when when they called for a oh, census, yeah, it's the census, you wouldn't call for a census in the middle of the coldest, one of no. the coldest yeah. seasons of the year. They called for a census when people could more easily travel. Yeah, and actually I think we know what census this is and we have it. Not the whole census. We but have we, historically. We have the we date have. for when the census took place. Yeah. Um, and it was in the spring. And they give probably like several months leeway because this is not a short process. Right. To be fair, census, like census is now, there's Sensei. Sensei. <laughs> But, like, censuses now take a long time, and we have much easier communication skills. Right. Um, That's true. And so back then, it took a long time. Yeah, because people had to have time to travel to right. the city of origin, and then... You gotta stand in line, you get gotta, your name checked off by a guy, you and... S- go I mean, to the inn, get rejected. <laughs> have a baby, have and a baby. be counted. And be counted. And what do you count the baby? I mean, I don't know. Like half. he wasn't with us when you called for the Is census, but now he's here. And actually, if you could just leave him actually off the record, that would be great. Better for my taxes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's about taxes, not about the fact that Herod's going to kill us. Anyway, yeah. Um. So, but we celebrate on December twenty fifth. Yeah. Why? 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 Because if we already know historically this had to take place in the spring, mm-hmm. why did we move it to December 25th? So you can thank the Catholic Church for that. Okay. Um, 
which is actually the answer to a lot of church tradition-y kind of things. So, um, so the Catholic Church decided to to move the celebration, like the official celebration day of Christ's birth, instead of doing that sometime in the spring, to move it to the winter. And the reason they did that is because at the time that they did this, the Catholic Church liked to do this thing where they were like, we see your festival of things that we don't love, like pagan celebrations, uh, and we would like to slap Jesus on it. And then you can't, then then it's about Jesus, and you can still have your festival, but but it's Jesus now. We'll slap him on there, and so that's what they were doing for this because this festival, and this is actually also why we have Christmas trees because the original festival dealt with the evergreen tree in the in the north, in the parts of the world that have evergreen trees, not in Judah, obviously, not many evergreen trees down there, but this the the sometimes like the this the pagan festivals centered on these trees and the, they were a big part of the festival and like the centerpiece of some of these festivals. Um, and the reason this festival exists is because December 25th was typically the winter solstice, which is where the days start getting longer. Yes. Um, and so the pagan world marked that with this festival and then the Catholic church via the Pope slapped, uh, Slap Jesus' the birth, birth on that, and they were like, "We're just gonna, we're just gonna call this when Jesus was born," and then cover over that that pagan thing. And to be fair, it worked. Sort of, yeah. There's sort a of. whole there's a whole movement now on uh, reject the pagan Christmas tree. Yeah, there's a whole movement this, out see, there. And this is the thing: it wasn't that they were worshiping the tree either; it's that the tree was a symbol of of the enduring life through that harsh winter that now is getting better. Right. Um, and that's still true. I, that like, I, it's weird to me to be totally against this. Like the, well, I think the because Christmasy it's, tradition. Yeah. Because it was a, a pagan celebration that the combination of you're know, taking a pagan celebration and combining it with, um, something as vital and important as the birth of Christ. Sure. Mixing those two, what can darkness have to do with light? That's the theory. Sure. Now, I would argue what, whatever intentions were involved, the original decision to slap this on here was not to combine these things, but to overshadow the things they didn't want happening. So they but were that like, did not work. I don't know. Do I think, think it, it combined. Didn't? Oh, are you kidding me? Like to this day, much of how we celebrate Christmas has nothing to do with the birth of Christ. Well, yeah, but what is that? Is that consumerism or is that pagan? Because it's... I think the pagan's been stamped out. I don't think, like the, I don't, not, like, there's no tree worship or sun worship or moon worship going on. I, and it would be weird if you said like, "Oh, are you gonna are you gonna dance around the tree this year? Are you gonna you gonna be like you gonna you gonna get naked for the sun? Huh? I don't want to know if that's going on. So, Listen, we I'm love like, to hear from our listeners, but we don't want to know that. I do. I absolutely do. If this year you're gonna get naked for the sun on Christmas, let me know in the comments section. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I so like, but what I'm saying is like that part. 
that part it did work. It it did stamp that out. They, they, we don't do that anymore. We kept the tree as like a thing that we decorate. But people don't know that, and and even the or the core of that isn't bad per se. Like it, it isn't necessarily. It's not worshipful. Right. It wasn't worshipful then. So I think the pagan part's been stamped out. I think what you're talking about is what has replaced that, which is now now the consumerist part is eating the Jesus birth part, which is what the Jesus birth part did to the pagan part way back when. I see. Okay, so you think that was effective, moving the birth of Christ to this pagan celebration you feel like it did work the catholic church was able to stamp out this pagan celebration but some of it still remains like the christmas tree sure. things like that uh-huh. okay all right i'll go with that i just think it's remarkably effective i don't think it's necessarily that important that oh. we celebrate the birth of christ at the exact or closest to exact time that it occurred of the year. Right. I do think it's important that we focus on that as the reason we celebrate Christmas, though. You know, and and this all the rest of it has seeped right. in to be definitely more central mm-hmm. to the holiday than the birth of Christ is. And, you know, we live in America and so we have uh definitely multiple religions going on in our country and so christmas is a christian holiday it's considered a christian holiday and so part of that is well if you're not necessarily of the christian faith but still want to celebrate a time of joy and giving and love then you can still celebrate with the other parts that don't have anything to do with the birth of christ so I think that's right. where we are. That's where we are, at least in this country, with this holiday. But as Christians, you know, it should be completely central to what we do. So I just wanted to talk for a minute about why. Why that is. I mean, I, I know that to you and I, maybe that makes sense. But I think we just, we don't think about it enough. You know, we, we let these other things take priority and take precedence this you know in getting ready for this holiday and in celebrating this holiday but i was reading um hebrew in hebrews i think it's chapter one um it was it explains who he is that he is appointed heir of all things the radiance of god's glory and the exact representation of god's character which is why in john I think 14, it says, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's that's who was given to us as a Savior. This, you know, amazing representation of the radiance of God's glory and exact representation of God's character on earth. Fully God, fully human, uh, for only... Uh, god's glory you know that we would be able to see and experience that and ultimately we would become heirs of god through him so the importance of this is huge and i think we downplay that 
you know, as Christian families in our homes, when, when Christmas comes around, uh, and I'm guilty of this, you know, I'm guilty of, okay, do I have all the presents bought? Do I have all the food prepared? Do I have, you know, X, Y, and Z lined up here to celebrate this holiday with my family? So what am I worshiping when I've got the focus there? I'm probably hmm. worshiping my family, right? Yeah. And, and I'm guilty of that. It's very easy to get sucked into that um, when what we truly are celebrating and worshiping should be this King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if you read like Revelation 5 is one of my favorite passages of scripture and who he is and what happens in heaven, you know, he's the only one that can open that scroll and it's just... And it's just an amazing picture of Christ. I love that, Revelation 5. And if you see him in his glory like that, you read about him in his glory like that, it should, it should just permeate our worship this time, you know, for this holiday and this season. But that's not what takes over. And that's yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's... So, traditions develop because they serve a purpose, because they tell a story. All traditions in any culture, that's why they exist. Because they tell a story that we don't want to forget. And giving each other gifts began because we didn't want to forget the great... We did that to emulate and remind ourselves of the greatest gift that could have ever been given, which is right. Christ, the greatest, the King of Kings, who came to save us, specifically, um, to save us and, and redeem us and give us eternal life. A gift that we could never repay or come anywhere near being able to exchange. But we give each other gifts because we remember that gift, that original gift that, that was given. Um, I think we lose that, though. I right, think we've the, lost it. Yeah, right. Because the the tradition has become the means of, in and of itself. So we don't do the thing because we're remembering what it signifies. We are doing the thing for its own sake. We're getting gifts for each other. And this is why people who are avid atheists participate. Right. Because they're, they're able not to do that because anything. it doesn't signify anything to them. Right. They're saying this is a time this is a time where we remember to be charitable. Or remember to do you know, whatever other things that are even good. I'm not even yeah. saying they're bad. A generally, you know, good Christmas spirit is good. You're gonna be okay with that. But it's not it's not signifying what we wanted it to right. when these traditions w began. Right. So I guess as Christian families, as Christian, you know, parents, um, I was trying to think back to ways that we were able to try to bring that focus back, the reasons. And I will say one of the things we didn't do well is to explain the whys of what we do. You know, the gift giving, uh, the feast, you know, all of that. I, I, 
I don't know that we always explained that well to you and your sister. Um, and I, I feel like if you could even just take that piece and explain well, that it would, that it would bring some focus back to Christ, to the reason we truly celebrate this holiday. So I don't think we did that well. Um, but can you think of anything else we did that, that would bring that focus back? Um, or things that you do with your family. So I think the, I think it is a good idea, though not, not at all trying to say this is like sufficient, but it's a good idea to place a priority on attending church, like usually Christmas Eve. A lot of churches do Christmas Eve services. And I think to do that, it says something about, okay, we are doing this first because it's most important. Right. Um, and so I think that sets a, good precedent mm -hmm. um and there's something to joining with the body of christ in celebrating this important moment yeah right yeah i so this year in particular we all have an interesting opportunity that we don't always have that we don't have a lot which is we will be attending the, the sunday is christmas eve right right and so I, I know a lot of churches are not either not doing morning services or they're not doing Christmas Eve services because they're doing one or the other. I think this is another opportunity and could be a good opportunity, especially if you have kids that are younger or impressionable. This is a good opportunity to say, no, we're going to go. We're going to attend church like we always do because it's Sunday. And on the Lord's Day, we worship Him. And we're also going to attend Christmas Eve service. Because especially while we focus on the birth of Christ, while, you know, while we are thinking about that in a special way that we're doing today, or that we're, we would do the next day, we're espe we especially want to go and fellowship with, with our brothers and sisters. And we especially want to focus on them. I think that the doubling down the opportunity to do that that we have this year is helpful. Yeah. And, and it can then display to those who don't know it, either because they're too young or they're not saved, they're not involved in the church at all. It can display my sincerity and my intentionality to go um, and, and celebrate and to put birth Christ at the head of what we're doing. I think, too, and this is not something that I do super well, it may be a good idea, and I'm kind of like spitballing, but it may be a good idea to roll back some of the, like, huge gifts that we do. Like, we spend tons of money on this, on giving each other gifts. And I'm not saying, like, be stingy. I'm saying, I want... It's so easy, and it's so easy for... You know, it was so easy for me as a kid. It was so easy, I think, for everybody, especially when you're younger, to... You, you hear, okay, this is why we're doing it. This is the primary reason. We're going to go to church first. You know, you hear this. It's so easy to be like, we're going to just get through it. And then immediately as I'm opening gifts, I've forgotten why I'm getting gifts. Yeah, that's why I thought the explaining during that process yeah. would be better, right. you know, than just 
you know. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think it, it gift could be. giving and I I do like too. I remember we I think we still do this. Um, you know, handing out gifts and having people yeah. open one gift at a time. It just brings. Um, more appreciation to that but during that if you can explain i'm not saying multiple times but like this is the reason we do this this is to commemorate this you know not just we're going to do gifts now yeah yeah it's hard to do it is hard to do but i agree with you i think we could roll back on some of the level of gift giving that we we have done and do um and that that I'm just saying if that helps right. refocus, right. if it's too much, if I'm getting overloaded because I can't focus, I'm not going to focus on anything else right. because this is such a bit, like I'm getting all yeah. this stuff. Is it better for me to roll that back and say, we're not going to do that big. We're not, right. you know, we will give each other gifts yeah. because this is what this signifies, right? But Yeah, I think it's hard for kids period i don't care i don't know if it's even just one gift i think it's really hard for kids to get past that you know i i'm gonna get something here sure and i think that's fine i mean if you're immature you're gonna think immaturely right And, and a kid by definition is not mature right so that makes sense. I see why that... And I'm not trying to say that we have to, like, root that out. And I also get the other side of the impulse. I absolutely understand the impulse, to Now that I have my son, it's like sometimes I'm like, well, I'll get him this thing, too. Like, I want to do that, um, which is not something I really thought about until I had... till you know, we had Jesse. Um, and then I'm like, I kind of want to get him gifts and like when i see stuff i'm like yeah oh he would like that yeah yeah so like well let me tell you that's times 10 is the grandparent <laughs> oh i'm sure Which i don't is know why, why i don't have to get a lot but <laughs> i don't know why yeah i mean i do remember too uh reading the bible account together sure you know yeah. christmas eve um we watched a lot of videos of the christmas account i was really into that for a while just yeah Let's watch some of these videos, and some of them were completely inaccurate. Looking back, um, yeah, just probably not helpful. In, well, here's the other thing, right? Unless you're going to sit down and and talk about that as it goes, like, well, okay, this is showing this, but sure. that's not what the Bible says. And I think if I showed them, I would. But, I uh, but here's my argument for that too, which is my argument also for the greatest animated movie ever made which is the Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, is it 100% accurate? No. Nope. No, it's not. It's not. But can a simple conversation with like a first grader clear that up? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But those images are stuck in your head. I agree. And you have to kind of fight against them the rest of yep. your life, right? Like, angels are always going to be singing to those shepherds in my yeah, head. it's really hard to know. It's, it's hard that. to get that out of my head. Yeah. Um, so Jeff Goldblum is always going to be Aaron for me now. Right? So it's just, I there's just things that, yeah, maybe that wasn't effective. Uh, one time we had a happy birthday Jesus cake. Okay. I That's gone from my memory. That did <laughs> you not <were> stick. 
Yeah. We only did that one year. Okay. That was a strange move, but <laughs> I appreciate the gumption. We did it one year, and I uh, I just, I don't know. Something didn't sit well with me with the whole happy birthday Jesus cake. Because you were confused. You thought it was your birthday. Well, uh. I mean, you could see how a two-year-old would maybe be like... <laughs> Especially a two-year-old whose birthday is January 23rd. I mean, we're in the right era here. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't sure. Yeah, that just didn't, you know. I do know some families that do a whole birthday party for Jesus, you know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's a good a good thing to do or, or helpful or not. Helpful or hurtful, you know. Yeah. I don't know. These are just things that we have tried to do to bring more focus on Christ at Christmas. So I would love to hear from our listeners anything they have tried to do that helps in that process, that helps us bring that focus back to where it belongs in this day and age of consumerism Christmas. Yeah. Okay. I would love. How would they tell us, Luke? Uh, You can comment on the YouTube video. You can email us at traineduppod at gmail.com. Um, you can communicate with us individually. If you know our phone numbers or have another way to communicate with us, you can do that as well. Yeah, next time, what are we... Oh, Merry Christmas, everyone. We hope our version of the broken nativity has helped yeah. you in we some broke way. broke nativity. Broke um, it up. At least bring more focus to Christ at this time of year so what are we doing next time so next time we're going to talk about tattoos because that's not controversial you well you brought that up in one of our last podcast or last time yeah yeah so we're going to be talking about tattoos so leviticus 1928 is the text that we're going to look at um we're going to look at what is it prohibit and we're going to talk about some of the the different ways that we interpret the law um that that we find in the old testament so that'll be neat It'll be so fun. Uh, Yeah. Until next time. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.